0: Hey everyone, what's up? How's it going? And welcome back to another episode of Wild, Messy, Infinite Love. I am Eric Snader. We are on episode number eight. What new is being birthed? This is, uh, this is something that I'm like super, super passionate about. Um, and something that I think is really, really relevant to um, the current state of My world and my life and I think probably for the current state of many. Um, So before we get into that I just want to um, give you a little bit of an update about the podcast. So I am thrilled to be doing my eighth episode in a row which is just crazy to me to think that it's been eight weeks already that I have been doing this. I'm almost... I know... I'm really bad at math, but, like, almost a sixth of the way through a year um, worth of episodes every week. That is crazy to me. I cannot hardly believe it. Um, But anyway, I wanted to let you guys know, um, and ladies, because it's not just guys who listen to this um, podcast, I'm hoping. Um, So all you fine folks out there, I just wanted to let you know that... I will probably be going off air for a couple weeks, Um, so me and my wife are gearing up for a wonderful, wonderful trip to Turkey, um, where we'll get to see some really cool old sites. We'll get to sort of visit the roots of um, New Testament Christianity, all that kind of stuff. We're both super excited about that trip. Um, So we're leaving for that next week, so I won't be around and I've got stuff going on at school, so I don't necessarily have time to record an episode in this next week. Um, And then after that, after we get back from Turkey, I want to focus on doing some different things with the podcast. So over the past eight weeks, I've just been sitting here writing different talks slash, if you want to call them sermons or you know whatever you want to call them. I've been the one doing all the talking, um, and I don't necessarily want the podcast to just be me talking. I mean, I think I have good ideas, but it's ultimately not just about me. This is about tapping into the wild and messy and. Infinite nature of love that's in all things. And I am just one particularity in this universe. So, um, over the next couple weeks, I am going to be focusing on getting some interviews with people who are doing interesting and inspiring things. I already have a couple really exciting ones lined up. Um, There are a couple others that I'm sort of thinking over and figuring out how that's going to work out. Um, But I'm really excited to do that. But that means that I probably should take a little more time to get some of those underway. Um, And it's hard to do that when I'm away in Turkey. Um, So it might be a couple weeks, max two or three weeks until you next hear from me. Um, But that's because I am doing work for future podcasts that will be just absolutely incredible. I have some incredible people lined up to come onto the podcast and talk. So I'm really excited to bring that to you, so don't freak out if you don't see a podcast next week or the week after. You know, it's I'm, I've got things brewing, and I'm really excited about it. Um, so anyway, today's episode is episode number eight, What New is Being Birthed? And today we are going to be talking about darkness, pain, suffering, wounds, and how those are the path through which we grow, the path through which we get to new creation and new birth. And it is difficult, and it is life-giving, and everything in between, and I think it's one of the most crucial things that we don't often talk about. Um, So I want to talk about it. So let's freaking talk about it. So let's talk about what new is being birthed. So I want to start off by talking about a really um, interesting idea that I got from a book by a man named Henry Nowen. Um, And Henry Nowen was this um, writer. He was a Catholic priest. um, And he really struggled with depression, with low self-esteem, Um, Many people believe that that depression and self-esteem was rooted in his own wrestling of his own sexuality um, because many believe that he was um, gay and being a Catholic priest back in like the 70s and 80s is not necessarily conducive to living out your um, LGBTQ identity. Um, so he had a lot of wrestlings with this because he felt called to, um, priestly orders and ordination, but then he also had this part of him that was inside him that he couldn't, he, he really struggled with putting it together until later in his life. And in the midst of that struggle, he wrote a book called The Wounded Healer. And this book, The Wounded Healer was really about how our wounds, are not something to be covered up. Our wounds are not something to have a pity party over. Our wounds are not the end of life, but our wounds are the path through which we achieve glory. The wounds are the path through which we go to find recreation. Um, P.S. If you hear some rustlings around the apartment is because my wife just got home from a wonderful spa day with her mother was it good she said it was good 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 so anyway um the wounded healer is this book that's really inherently about how our wounds our pains our sufferings um, our losses those are the points that when we go through them we we reach some sort of new creation. We reach some sort of glory. We reach some sort of expansion or growth. Um, and one of these, one of the interesting things that I find in the imagery of a wound is that a wound is not just anything. Um, a wound often goes deep. A wound hurts. A wound throbs and resonates within the rest of your body. Um, You know, we're not just talking about, oh, I stubbed my toe on the kitchen sink, so the rest of my day is ruined. This is like the stuff that we go through that is tough, that is hard. Um, And, I mean, that looks different for everyone because we all come from different walks of life. Um, so I can't say that my wound is the same as someone from the LGBTQ community or someone from the black community or someone from the immigrant community as a whole or, you know, anything like that. But our wounds are those things that are tough, that throb with pain, that can't be ignored, um, that cut deep. Um, and for now in... It's not about covering up those wounds. It's not necessarily about bandaging them. It's not about having some sort of pity party. Um, Our wounds become our healers when we have the vulnerability to acknowledge them and show them and touch them. Um, And there's this really interesting story in the Jesus narrative. Um, So after Jesus dies on the cross, he resurrects, and he's revealing himself to his disciples, and somewhere along the line, Jesus just did not get around to revealing himself to one disciple named Thomas, Um, and Thomas was hanging out with the disciples one day, and the disciples were saying, yo, Thomas, guess what? Jesus is back, yo. It's super awesome. What up? Let's party, and Thomas was like, I haven't seen him. So until I see him, until I actually get to put my hands in the holes where the nails went through his hands and the hole where the spear went through his side, unless I can actually touch those, I'm not going to believe any of that horse shit, essentially. Um, And then lo and behold, Jesus appears and Jesus says, Hey, Thomas, here are my hands. Here are my wounds. Touch them and know that I'm here know that resurrection has happened, know that recreation has happened. Um, And it's sort of through that um, that Thomas grows. Um, It's through that that Thomas realizes that, yeah, death and suffering are real aspects of our lives, but suffering and wounds and these things that just try to tear us down are not the end Um, because ultimately we're not just talking about Thomas here we're talking about all of us we all have wounds Um, you know some of us have emotional wounds from a failed relationship or from a not great relationship with our parents or family Um, some of us have physical wounds Um, you know, those are very real aspects of our lives. Some of us have illnesses and ailments that bring us down physically. And by doing that, it brings our entire lives down. It's trying to tear our entire lives down. We have spiritual wounds. I mean, think about how many people leave church because it's just not open enough for them or it hurt them in some way, shape or form, um, You know, these are these spiritual wounds that we carry with us. Um, You know, I carry my own wounds from church with me. Um, You know, I grew up going to a church that theologically was not very progressive. Um, I grew up in a church that had a lot of conflict within it. My church split multiple times over multiple issues. Um, theological issues and personal relationship issues and all this kind of stuff. And that, I carry that with me. Even to this day, I carry that with me. And there's still a little part of me, even though I consider myself to be a Christian, there's still a little part of me that's like, do I really want to be a part of any of that? Do I really want to go to church on Sunday when all this conflict and all this shit just continues to be stirred up? Um, you know, we all carry these wounds with us, um, but Nowen's point, and a lot of mystics points too, would be that when we carry these wounds with us and we don't acknowledge them, when we don't recognize them, when we don't show them, when we aren't willing to touch them, then they fester and they cripple us and they keep us from moving forward, um, but for now, and for the mystics and for so many other people, um, when we acknowledge these wounds that we carry, when we uncover them for ourselves or for other people, um, when we have the willingness and the ability to touch them, to lay our fingers on them, to allow those wounds to speak to us at a deep level, um, when we don't try to mask them you know that's that's when these wounds these sufferings these pains that we carry with us they become some form of transformation for us um and that's not to say that we should let we should live in a constant state of depression because life sucks. Um, you know, one of the one of my favorite images about fears and suffering and pain that I've heard is that it's like you're driving a car down the road, and to carry your wounds and try to mask them is to say, "Oh, this thing isn't in the car with me when it clearly is." Um, and to acknowledge the pain, to acknowledge the wound is to say, yes, you are in this car with me, but I am not going to let you pick the music and I'm not going to let you sit behind the wheel and drive and pick where we go. Um, so this acknowledgement of the wound does not entail that you let this wound completely warp your actions that you let this wound completely um decide which way you go or how you view the world or you know like all this kind of stuff it may have something to speak to you um, but ultimately it's not in control you are and that's that's really the tension that i want to draw here is that to acknowledge the pain, to acknowledge the wound is not to give up control to whatever it is that we're dealing with. Um, you know, the, thinking back to Jim Crow era of the South, um, you know, and thinking about people like James Cone and other liberation theologians who, would write about how resistance needs to happen. Um, You know, you can't just submit to this authority that wants to oppress you, that wants to control you, that wants to put you down. You have to resist it in whatever way you can. Um, And it's sort of a similar idea with your woundedness. Um, You can't let it tell you, who you are. You can't let it control your understanding of who you are as an individual. You can't let it control your understanding of the world and other people and all this kind of stuff. It's one thing to acknowledge it and let it be in the front seat with you. It's another thing to let it completely take over your life. Um, And that's another form of festering because the wound becomes bigger and consumes more and all this kind of stuff. And that's not good either Um, so um, when we acknowledge this pain and this suffering and let it sit in the front seat we acknowledge it but we don't let it take control that's the path towards transformation that's the path to glory as Henry Nowen might say it Um, so an example of this would be um, Henry Nowen's own life. I mean, later on in his life, he came to peace with his own sexual identity and he found peace through that. He laid his hands on his, what he would consider his wound. Now, um, I'm not sure if I would consider, um, uh, LGBTQ identity as a wound per se, but Henry Nowen did. And he wrestled with that and he placed his hands on that and he acknowledged it and he said you are in this car with me no matter what I can't expel you I can't get rid of you I can't necessarily silence you you are here with me and our wounds are always going to be with us Um, another example that I can think of is from my own life Um, I mean, I've talked about it a little bit in this podcast already, but my senior year of college, I went through a serious crisis of not knowing what I wanted to do. And, you know, being in college, it would have been easy enough for me to try to escape that reality of unknowing. It would have been easy enough for me to spend all my time playing video games or drinking or spending time with friends and just trying to drown it out. Because all of those things were readily available to me. But instead, I spent intentional time laying my hands on this unknowing, this pain, this wound, as you might say. Um, You know, I spent time working through, you know, this thing is with me in the car. So what is it telling me? What am I going to do here? What, what? Am I supposed to do with the rest of my life? Um, and actually encountering that question. And I still encounter that question on a daily basis. I think all of us encounter that question on a daily basis of what is it that we are going to do here? Um, you know, that's a kind of wound that we carry with us. You know, those the world has these expectations of you need to fit into this particular model or this particular mold of what life looks like. You have to buy a house. You have to have two kids. You have to, you know, do all this kind of stuff. You need to make X amount of money. You need to work X amount of hours a week. You need to have this kind of car. You need to live in this neighborhood. You have to be friends with these people, you know, like all this kind of stuff it's this mold that gets placed on us and that's a sort of wound that we carry with us because even though we're being told that we need to fit into this mold there's something deep within us that says that's what am i supposed to do in this world and in this life that i've been given that doesn't necessarily fit this mold that i've been trying to fit into all my life that's a kind of wound um And when we acknowledge that, when we're vulnerable about it, when we share that with ourselves and with others, that's the path. That's the way through. Um, And one of the interesting things that I found with this vulnerability is also that, you know, when we're open and vulnerable with our wounds and our fears, especially in community with other people, not only do we find that we're not alone in feeling whatever it is we're feeling or struggling with whatever it is we're struggling with, but that sense of camaraderie, that sense of shared experience makes us that much stronger and able to persevere. One of the things that I think about is, you know, the, um, people of great Britain during the bombing, the German bombing during world war two, um, They had to band together because they had this shared experience, this fear of not knowing whether they were going to live another day, whether their house was going to still be standing, all this kind of stuff. They had that same shared experience, that same fear, that same anxiety, those same kinds of wounds, and they banded together and they made it through. But they did it in community and they did it by being vulnerable with each other And by saying, we are going to work through this together and we are going to stand up for each other because we know what you are going through right now. That's the power of being vulnerable and showing our wounds. Because I am certain 100%... You are not alone in whatever it is that you're going through. Whatever your wound is, whatever your suffering is, there is someone else on this planet who is going through a similar experience. And just that sense of this person gets me, there's something within that moment that gives us strength, that gives us perseverance. Um, And when we persevere, when we have the strength to carry through, when we have these shared experiences, when we allow our wounds to be passengers in the car and we don't try to mask them, we don't try to throw them away, we don't let them control every aspect of our life. When we persevere, we get to the other side and it's like a completely brand new day. It's almost like a weight is lifted off of our chest. It's almost like a brand new thing is being created and unearthed. It's almost like an expansion and new depth, a greater understanding, a bright, bright new sun that's rising, and the sky is beautiful, and we have new appreciation for that which is around us. We see the beauty and the diversity of life. We come to this open space, whatever vocabulary you want to put in there. When we get to the end of that path and we get through it, there's a growth and expansion that happens. Um, Because it's in the midst of the darkness. It's in the midst of that suffering. It's in the midst of touching the wound and the throbbing pain that things go to be born and to grow. Um, it's like a seed being planted in the ground. Um, you know, a seed is needs to be buried before it can grow into the plant that it's supposed to be. It's like a baby growing in the darkness of the womb where there is no sunlight, there is nothing but the darkness and the baby that is present in there. And through that growth happens. Um, Another image that I love um, comes from Alexander Shia. The deepest dark is not where grace goes to die. It is where grace goes to be reborn. And it is that rebirth is such beautiful splendor. Um, Another Another instance that I can think about is the story of Jesus' resurrection in the book of John. Um, You know, Jesus dies on the cross, and he's buried, and on the third day, he rises again. But Jesus doesn't just rise in, like, this dusty old tomb. John goes into detail to talk about how Jesus resurrects and is immediately entering into this beautiful, blooming garden, Jesus went through the three days of darkness. He went through the death. He went through the woundedness. And he was reborn in this beautiful garden. That's the deep nugget of truth found within this gospel story of Jesus. It's not necessarily about, you know, like, is this 100% fact? I don't care if it's 100% fact. What's true is true is true is true. And what's true about this story is that there is resurrection at the end of death. There is resurrection and recreation and new creation at the end of our wounds. Um, But here's the catch. You need to actually go through the darkness you can't skip around it. There's no workaround. There's no gimmick. You can't hop on an airplane and fly over it. I'm not sure where that southern twang came from. But, you know, there's no easy way. There's no, like, five-numbered five, five checklist that you check off to ensure that you get around it. Um, it's something that we all need to go through at one point. Or another, because when we go through it, that's where the muscles are trained. That's where the mind sharp is sharpened. That's where the growth occurs. That's where the seed is buried, dead. I mean, like think about what we do with um, bodies at funerals. We oftentimes bury them. That's what's happening with the seed. It's it's being buried as though it's dead. And somewhere in the midst of that darkness and that death the seed sheds its previous container and grows and finds roots and nourishment in the soil. But it needs to be buried first. It needs to be in that dark place. Um, Another image would be that of a caterpillar transforming into a butterfly. In order for a caterpillar to transform into that butterfly, it first needs to go into the darkness of the cocoon and go through that metamorphosis process where this caterpillar is literally like it literally no longer contains its previous shape. If you were to cut open a cocoon at any stage between the caterpillar forming the cocoon and the butterfly, it would just be this goop inside. So this caterpillar literally loses its form, loses its shape but comes through on the other side as this beautiful, free, and liberated butterfly. Because that's the other thing. Sometimes this death and these wounds, it's almost like we're being obliterated. It's like we're completely losing ourselves. It's like everything around us is just falling apart, and we are falling apart with it. But when we continue through... When we acknowledge those wounds, when we're vulnerable, when we come into community with one another, we metamorphosize. Um, Another image that we've already talked about today, the baby. The baby has to grow in the dark. It starts as this tiny little cell and it grows in this dark place. Um, And the thing with all of these metaphors is that even though they are on this path of growth through darkness they're still somehow being nourished as well um and one of the things that i would contend is that we're being nourished by this deep running river of love which courses through all things um you know we're upheld by our community by people who share our experiences we are Um, we find beauty in art that helps us to get through. How many of you have ever had a really rough day and you've listened to really sad music and you're like, man, this person gets me. This song is what I am experiencing right now. That is a way of nourishing, of holding oneself upright, even in the midst of darkness, um, it comes through comforting words from friends. It comes from having a shoulder to cry on when we grieve. Um, possibly it comes from a Bible verse or a book that you're reading or a TV show that you're watching or whatever other way these this nourishment comes in. It's For me, that's that deep running river of love which courses through. All things it's the beauty of creation it's our relationships it's our self-dialogue and our self-growth it's art it is everything and everyone and even though we are we might feel like a pile of goop in a cocoon there is still more to come there is still something new Being birthed. And I think that's ultimately what our wounds teach us. I mean, they teach us about our past. They teach us about who we are. They teach us about our relationships. But they also teach us about hope. And they teach us to look for what new is being birthed. What is the next thing that when I get around this dark corner, what is that thing that will be the bright sun rising over the horizon? What is the butterfly? What is the little sproutling that's growing out of the ground? What is the new creation? What is the resurrection? And ultimately, I can't answer that question for you. That resurrection takes many forms in many places. Um, You know, for me in my senior year, that new birthing was a growing realization that, hey, maybe local church ministry isn't my thing. And that's been a path that I've been on for almost four, over four years now. So it's not necessarily something that just click and it happens sometimes that metamorphosis takes a while um but this growing understanding for me of where i'm called what i'm supposed to do in this world using my creative gifts and talents writing speaking all this kind of stuff it's almost like this weight is continually being pulled off my shoulders one layer at a time. But that only came through my acknowledgement of, I don't know what I'm doing in this world. And I'm not sure what the meaning of my life really is. But I can honestly say this podcast that I'm doing, that's something new that has been birthed. Um, the book ideas that I have, those are things that are newly being birthed. The other things that I'm passionate about, that I'm pouring myself into, those are new things being birthed that came through the passage of my wounds and my fears and my doubts and my unknowings. And that is the divine spirit of growth and recreation and this continued work of creation. That's the divine spirit at work. So many of you know that I am a self-professed United Methodist, but I think as long as you've listened to this podcast, any of these episodes, I think you also know that I am an ally of the LGBTQ community as well. So I don't know if you've been following the news this past week, but this is really where this what new is being birthed idea sprouted from. But this past week there was a special conference held in St. Louis, a global United Methodist conference, where a vote was taken about whether the United Methodist Church would even consider allowing... The LGBTQ community, as members, and as ordained clergy, um, within their congregation, within their community, within their body, and there were many going into it that were hopeful that um, you know the United Methodist Church would consider. Unity would consider, you know, it's better for us to be together even if we don't agree rather than just to strike a hard line. Um, Because the decision being made ultimately was not extremely um, progressive. There was no option on the table to say full inclusion for all United Methodist churches. Um, But the step in the progressive direction was to say... We agree that we're not going to agree on all things, but you can do what you want to do. Um, I'm sort of rambling now. But the decision that was made was to take a hard line and say, members of the LGBTQ community are not welcome in this place and space. And that is hard. There are wounds that have been cut deep this week. One of the ways that I've explained my own pain is I feel like I've been sitting next to a gong, right next to this giant gong, and someone has taken a mallet and they've struck this gong as hard as they can. And I feel the pain and the noise in my ear and i feel the vibrations racking through my body i'm not personally a member of the lgbtq community i'm personally not the one who is struck i'm not the gong but i am in close relationship with the LGBTQ community. And I love and affirm them for who they are. I firmly believe that the divine spirit runs through them just as much as it runs through me, a straight white male. And I've sat And I've seen the pain wrought upon the faces of my LGBTQ family who've been told that because of their sexual identity, they can't be pastors. They aren't welcome to share the love and peace and justice of the divine with others. Those wounds are real. Those wounds are deep. And there's a lot of uncertainty over what the future of the United Methodist Church is. But I believe that this is a moment of metamorphosis. For the church, for the United Methodist Church, yes, but for the church as a whole. It's almost like an epoch of the church is ending swiftly, and a new one is about to be birthed. And I choose to sit with these wounds, to sit with the individuals who have been hurt so deeply. I choose to be present with them. I choose to be present with these wounds that ride with us in the car. I choose not to try to mask it. I choose not to try to say, oh, it doesn't matter, or it didn't actually happen, or, you know, whatever. We'll get, you know... Because that doesn't help anything and those wounds will just continue to fester. I choose instead to sit with them. So right now is a time of shock, a time of awe, but not a good kind of awe. A time of silence, a time of grieving, a time of mourning, a time of assessing where the wounds lie. That's where we are right now. Tomorrow might be the day where we raise our voices in outrageous resistance and protest. I'll be right there with that too. But ultimately being present with these wounds, being really present in this moment is so important. Because we all are going through something. We're all going through some sort of growth. We're all going through some sort of metamorphosis. And there is something new being birthed here. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know if it's a new denomination. I don't know if it's... Um, staying the course with this denomination and changing it from the inside, I don't know what that new birth is, but it most surely is coming. Because ultimately, the divine can't be stopped by a name. The divine can't be stopped by a book. The divine runs through each and every one of us. And no matter what the name of the United Methodist Church says, no matter what the book might say, there is nothing at all that can stop us from continuing to be present In these wounds, yes, but also in the continued work of recreation and love and peace and justice in this world. So we're sitting with our wounds now and they hurt and they're painful. But there is something new being birthed here. These are the labor pains But there is a bright, beautiful, new world just around the bend. Peace and love, y'all.